Thanks for watching today. Throughout the program, you'll notice this graphic. It's there so you know we would love to pray with you. You can give us a call or go online. Also, this is a great way to keep in touch with us. Faith itself is a mystery to so many, let alone how it works, but it's as simple as this. Faith is believing what God told you is true and saying those things out loud. The first thing faith will move is your mouth. The Bible tells us that life and death are in the power of the tongue and that faith works for whosoever will say. Today, Pastor is going to teach you about the power of your words. Now, the truth is we are, we are in America, at least, very well taught when it comes to Scripture. And we really need to be reminded more than we need to be instructed in something new. And so today, my intent is not to bring you anything new, but to remind you. Palm Sunday, by the way, most of you know this, was March the 4th, A.D. 32. Jesus was staying in Bethany at the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He got up in the morning and he said to two of his disciples, he said, go into town. He's in Bethany, that's three miles from Jerusalem. He said, go into town. When you, when you get there, he said, you're going to see a donkey that's tied. He said, just untie it and bring it. And if anyone says anything, you just tell them the Lord has need. And they began to untie. Somebody said something. They said, Jesus needs him. They said, go ahead. They brought that donkey to Jesus and Jesus got on the donkey. And he goes up the Mount of Olives from Bethany. You go up the Mount of Olives. And then you'll actually start to come down and you go through the Garden of Gethsemane right, as you're coming down. And uh, you can see that kind of dome structure there, the Dome of the Rock. It's right on the Temple Mount. So Jesus was coming down. And as he did, people came out of Jerusalem and they were grabbing palm branches and they were beginning to wave them. You remember the palm branch in the Bible is the sign of victory. It's, it's like the gold medal. It's like a blue ribbon. So they're waving them and they're shouting and they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And of course that Hosanna, literally they were saying Yashana, which means victory now. Victory now. And they're welcoming Jesus. He goes up into the temple mount and he preaches. And in the evening, the Bible says, he goes back to Bethany and he gets up the next day. And Mark 11, verse 20, verse, excuse me, verse 12 tells us, Now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. I guess Mary and Martha slept in because Jesus didn't have breakfast. He's hungry and he's, he's on that three mile walk back to Jerusalem to the Temple Mount. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. And he came and he looked and he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season of figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. They finished their trip down into Jerusalem. Again, Jesus went to the Temple Mount. He taught the people. In the evening, he went back up that same trail, back to the house of Mary and Martha. And then on the next morning, the Bible says in verse 20, as they pass by, they've, they've left Bethany. They're on their way back into Jerusalem to the Temple Mount. As they pass by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Now, when Jesus said something to that tree, something happened, but nothing was visible. What happened was 
unseeable. It happened in the roots that they died. But they saw it dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree that you cursed is withered away. And Jesus said to them. Now, this is Jesus' greatest discourse on the subject of faith. And you and I might think we know something about faith. But how many of you know we don't know anything compared to what Jesus knows? Right? He is the expert. There's nobody who understands it more. And Jesus said, have faith in God. Have faith not in yourself, not in some innate power that's in the universe, not in the force, but have faith in God. For verily or truly, many of your translations say, I say to you that whosoever will say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in your heart, but believe that those things which you say will come to pass, you'll have whatsoever you say. Now, I want to just point out two things to begin with that Jesus said. First of all, he starts his discourse with his disciples, talking to them, and he says, verily or truly. Now, the one thing that we all know about Jesus is this. Jesus always tells the truth. But when he's going to explain faith to his disciples, the first thing that he says to them is, truly, or I'm going to tell you the truth. Now, this is what it means. It means he's going to tell you the truth. But when you hear it, you will not believe it. Jesus said the first thing about faith you need to understand is that faith works for whosoever will say. We can say it like this. The first thing that your faith will ever move is your mouth. He's saying, you and I, for our faith to work, we need to begin to say something. The first thing that faith moves is always your mouth. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. You've heard somebody say, you're going to eat your words. That's what the Bible says too. The Bible says, you're going to eat your words. It says right here, it says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. When I was thinking about this message, the, the first illustration that, that came to my mind was when Moses sent the 12 spies into the promised land. The children of Israel have gone through the desert. They come to the Jordan River. They're at a place called Kadesh Barnea. And the other side is the promised land, the land that flows with milk and honey, the land that God said, I have given to you. So Moses gets one representative from each tribe and says, I want you to go into the land and spy it out. He said, we, we want you to pass through. Tell us, are there valleys? Is it mountainous? Are there rivers? He says, are there cities? Are they large? Are they fortified? How many people are there? Are the people strong or are they weak? Just go in and tell us, what is the land like? So they go and they spend 40 days and they come back. And this is what they said. Well, we went to the land where you sent us and truly it flows with milk and honey. Nevertheless, the people who are in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb, <coughs> excuse me, quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we're well able to overcome or take possession. 
But the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people for they're stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is the land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw are men of great stature. There we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Now God had said, I have given you the land. But they said, we are not able to go up because they're stronger than we are. And God said, they gave the children of Israel a bad report. You want to know what a bad report is? It's when God says one thing and you say something else. That's a bad report. And the children of Israel, there were 12 spies. Two said, let us go in. We can take possession. But 10 said, no. Listen, so all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land so we fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should become victims? It would be better for us that we go back to Egypt. That's what they said. Now, this is what God said. Listen, say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you've spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. Just as you've spoken in my hearing, I'm going to do to you. Every one of you who's 20 years old and above, you're going to die in the wilderness. Now think about this. There's practically 2 million adults. Every one of them died in the wilderness except for two. The two who said, we are well able to go in and take possession, Joshua and Caleb. So it's very important that we say, in fact, what, what we are to do as believers is we are to agree with God. Agree with what God has said in his word. In Acts chapter 27, Paul has been in a hurricane on a ship for two weeks. They haven't seen the sun, the moon, or the stars. And an angel appears to Paul and says, Paul, don't fear. He said, you're not going to die. God's going to preserve you. And he's granting you the life of everyone who's traveling with you. Now, let me just take a little side note here. I know of people that are afraid to get on an airplane. They said, what if it's the pilot's time to go down? Well, they're traveling with you. The angel said, God's sparing the life of everybody who's traveling with you. Now, he was a prisoner. There was the owner. There was a centurion. There were Roman soldiers. There's all sorts of people. And Paul was a prisoner, but everybody was traveling with Paul. They didn't know it. Right? And God said, I'm giving you the life of everybody who's traveling with you. Don't be afraid. You're going to stand before Caesar. So Paul went before the entire company that was on the ship, 276 people. And he said, now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, do not be afraid, Paul, for you must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sell with you. Therefore, take heart, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. Now, here's what he said. I believe, God, that it will be just 
as it was told me. Look, faith is believing that what God said is true about you. That's what faith is. Faith is not you're coming up with some crazy thing, idea. Faith is a response to what God said, believing that God will do what God said he will do. Now, Paul had an angel show up. You probably won't. But you do have a book full of the promises of God. And it says in Corinthians that all of those promises for you are yes and amen. James chapter 3, verse 4. Likewise, look at a ship. Though they are so, excuse me, though they are so great and are driven by rough winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the impulse of the helmsman desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member. So he's saying, he's saying, just like a ship, it's huge. And it goes through a storm. But the storm doesn't determine where the ship goes. The rudder does. And he says, just like that rudder to the ship, your tongue is in your life. And your life should not be moved continually by the storm, but by the rudder. What's your rudder? It's your tongue. He also compares it to a, is it a bit that goes in a horse's mouth? A bit. Now, you can have a horse weighing 1,400, 1,500 pounds, and you put a bit that weighs two or three ounces in that horse's mouth, James says, and you can control that whole horse. You can make that horse stop. You can make him go to the right. You can make him go to the left just because of that little bit. And the Bible says again, James says, and your tongue is like that bit. Your tongue determines the direction that your life is going to go. Dr. Cho pastors the largest church in the world in Seoul, Korea. In his book, The Fourth Dimension, he talks in there about having breakfast with the leading neurosurgeon of Korea. And they're sitting there having breakfast, and the leading neurosurgeon says to Dr. Cho, he said, we have a new discovery. He says, this is a great discovery. He said, we have discovered that the speech center in the brain rules over the entire nervous system. He said, you know, if, if you say, I am weak, he said, the speech center speaks it, but the entire nervous system says we're weak and begins to be weak. If you say I'm a failure, he said your entire body, the entire nervous system prepares for you to be a failure. If you say I'm old and can't do anything, the, the neurosurgeon said your body responds, the entire nervous system responds to what you say and begins to act in that way. This is a great new discovery. Dr. Cho said, oh, you'll know this for a long, long time. And, and the, the lead neuro says, no, no, you don't understand. He said, this is a new discovery. He said, this is going to change the way we do much of medicine. And, and Dr. Joseph said, no, you'll know for a long, long time. You'll know this for a long time. He says, you could not know a long time. He says, this is a new discovery. He said, no, you'll know for a long time. You'll learn, you'll, you'll learn from Dr. James. And then the neurologist says, Dr. James, who is Dr. James. Dr. James, New Testament, chapter 3. Tongue, little member, control, whole body. Yeah. Little member, but controls the whole body. It is so interesting. In numbers, everybody got exactly what they said, exactly what they were believing. Listen to, to, to uh, numbers. As God tells the children of Israel how to bless how do you bless somebody? He says, speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, this is the way you will bless the children of Israel. Listen, this is how you bless them. Say to them. 
How are you going to bless them? Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. How do you bless? You bless them when you say. On several occasions, we've had that opportunity to be in Israel in the home of an Orthodox Jewish rabbi on Shabbat dinner. And every time the rabbi does the same thing, he gets all of his kids and he lays his hands on each one of his children and blesses, speaks a blessing over each one of them. You know, you need to be saying some things at your house, saying some things about your marriage, saying some things about your children, say some things to your body, say some things to your finances, right? The way that you bless is you bless by saying to them, speaking to them. Jesus said this in Matthew 4. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, listen, that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God's word was originally spoken, and then it was written. But it was written so that you could speak it. We're going to come back to that, right? It's written so you and I can speak it. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, it says, This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Now, if you will stay in the arena of faith, you will come out victorious. Right? But the devil will always try to get you out of the arena of faith. He'll want to get you into the arena of feelings. And say, well, how do you feel? Don't you feel depressed? I don't feel like you've got it. you feel like you have any victory? Do you feel any? Do you, what do you feel? The devil will try to get you in the arena of circumstances. He'll say, well, it looks to me like things haven't got any better. It looks to me like things are going back. It looks to me. Or he'll try to get you in the arena of your past. He'll say, well, you know, you didn't have victory before. You know what? Everybody in your family has been a failure, and you're probably going to be a failure too. He will try to get you in any arena except the arena of faith. Because if you stay in that arena, arena, you will overcome. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16. And since we have the same spirit of faith. Now listen, faith is not a formula. Faith is a spirit. Right? Faith is a spirit. We have the same spirit of faith. Now, he's going to go back and he's going to talk about King David. Now, look, King David was about 14 or 15 years old and he had the spirit of faith. Moses was 80 and he had the spirit of faith. It doesn't matter if you're a senior citizen or if you're a teenager, you can have the spirit of faith. And listen, he describes it according to what is written. I believed, therefore I that's what the spirit of faith does. The spirit of faith, it believes, therefore it speaks. He said, we also believe, therefore we speak. When you have the spirit of faith, that faith is going to move your mouth. 
right? You believe in your heart, you say it with your mouth. Romans 10 and verse 6. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say. Do not say in your heart. Now, there are things that the spirit of faith will not say. You understand that? When, when, when Josh was going to take the city of Jericho, the plan was march around it every day for six days once. And on the seventh day, go and march around seven times. And then stop, blow the trumpets, everybody shout, and God said the walls are going to fall down. Now, this is what Joshua told everybody. He said, do not say one word. He said, you walk around that city, you do not say one word. You know what they would have been saying if they'd have been talking? We've been rocking around this thing for 10 times and nothing has happened. I think that that Joshua has lost his marbles. God was with Moses, but God is not with, with Joshua. And we are never going to see this thing going down. Well, we're never going to have any victory. We're not going to get the promised land. We're going to end up having to go back in the desert. They would have been saying the wrong thing. Romans 10, verse 6. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say. Do not say. Don't say anything that disagrees with God. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven that is to bring Christ down from above? Or who will descend into the abyss that is to bring Christ up from the bed? But what does it say? The word is near you. What does faith say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart, even the word of faith which we preach. A lot of us need to make the connection. Right? Where we get our heart and our mouth in sync. Right? Remember, faith is going to first of all move your mouth. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God's word was first spoken, then written, but it's written so that you can speak it. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. Job chapter 22 in verse 8, you will also declare or decree a thing and it will be established for you. So light will shine on your way and when they cast you down and you say exaltation will come and you say exaltation come, will come, then he, God, will save the humble person. Isaiah 59 verse 21. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is upon you and the words which I put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. Psalms 91, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. Psalms 27, the Lord is my light, my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Hebrews 13. Therefore we will boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What can men do to me? Romans 8, 31. What shall we then say to these things? What shall we then say to these things? When trouble shows up, you are supposed to say something. If God be for us, who can be against us? Revelation 12, verse 11, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. How do you overcome the devil? By the blood of the lamb and the 
word of your testimony. But what does faith say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart, even the word of faith which we preach. There is a miracle in your mouth. There's a miracle in your mouth. Now, I want to close with this. You've got to put God's word in your heart in the day of opportunity so that it's there in the day of adversity. Right? Because it's just not, listen, it's not just what you say. Listen, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's great that you're watching your words. We should. But you know what? We've got to put the right thing on the inside in our heart. Right? And you do that every day. If you'll do that in the day of opportunity, when the day of adversity shows up, what's going to come out of your mouth is what you have in your heart in abundance. Right? And that should be the Word of God. That's what should be there. Listen, not everybody... Listen, there's a lot of Christians that don't have their day of adversity in that way, right? Because they aren't ready. They aren't ready. But you can get ready by putting God's word in your heart today. And remember, faith needs to be in your mouth and in your heart. And that faith is confidence that God will do what God told you he would do. In his holy word. You know, several years ago, I heard somebody say, there's something better than going to heaven. And I thought, that's crazy. And then he said, it's going to heaven and taking your family with you. And I said, that is right. That's right. But the first step is for each one of us to be right with God. And if you're watching today, you're not where you should be with God. You need to come back. You need to get right. And you say, I want to get right with God. I want to invite you to bow your head to pray this prayer. Make these words your own. Just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. And I receive him today as my Lord and my Savior. I'm going to live for him every day. I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven, that I'm your child on my way to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, we'd love to get you a copy of his free book, Your New Life. He wrote this book to help you continue on your journey to take the next steps in your walk with God. You can go to our website to request a copy be mailed to you, or you can download it there. Either way, it's absolutely free. When you check out walkingbyfaith.tv, you can also purchase a copy of today's message, The Power of Your Words, in the WBF store. If this ministry is feeding you and blessing you spiritually, please consider becoming a partner with us. You can go to walkingbyfaith.tv give and click on the giving option that's right for you. Go out there and use the power of your words. Have a good one.